This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for using The Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links, and to our patrons like Stephen Robertson, Doug Palmer, and Mark. Thank you for supporting us at patreon.com slash Show. Hi, this is Keith Baker, creator of Eberron and Gloom, and you're listening to The Tome. Welcome to The Tome. The Tome is a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, number 280, we're going to grab all the weapons we can carry and hit stuff we don't like. Maybe some things we do, because this episode is all about fighters! Alright, so joining us for this episode is Jonathan Nelson from Adventure a Week and the upcoming uh, Underworld Races and Classes Kickstarter. Welcome, sir. Welcome. I have slain Jonathan and taken his place. I'm a fighter. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That was my alter ego. Greetings, everyone. Very good. And Jonathan is coming at us live from his commute home, too. So if you hear any background noise or, or road traffic, that that's probably what that is. I've got out of the, mostly out of the city, so now we're out in Snoqualmie, and there's only a few disgruntled drivers out here with road rage. There you go. Most of them are fighters, right? Yep. Yeah, so yeah, it's for sure. Orcs, orcs too. They look like orcs. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and Jonathan also recruited one of his own players from his, from one of his group, although also a DM and a playtester and some of Jonathan's stuff for Adventure Week. Uh, we have, I'm going to try to say it, Gaza? That's right. Gaza Bishop. Oh. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. And you're currently playing a fighter, right? Um, actually, I was playing a fighter, oh. but uh, he unfortunately did, did not survive the final battle of uh, of Horde of the Dragon Queen. So <laughs> now I'm on a now I'm on a cleric, but uh, he died uh, he died a valiant and wonderful death, and he had a three charisma, so he cursed a lot in the, in the process. <laughs> yeah, but he's a, he's a renowned he's a renowned hero in the campaign now and you can blame wolfgang for his death not my, not me yeah and he and he does have a following so somewhere there's a there's a very very small cosmic space that's his sphere of influence so okay so this was a little while ago this wasn't like jonathan rubbing it in <laughs> uh, it's not, it happened a while ago <laughs> yeah, he he i i know he did feel bad about it so um but uh, yeah, he does get to be immortalized, and I think Jonathan mentioned he gets a he gets an honorable mention in uh, in an upcoming book or module. So he will be truly immortalized. Very so good. his name will ring in the halls of Valhalla. Well, what was his name so people can look for it in a book? His name was Kordak. Kordak. He was a he was raised in raised of uh, by a cleric of Cord and. Uh, being a half orc and having a three charisma, the uh, the cleric's life was never really going to work out for him. So sure. he ended up being a being a fighter, but uh, he, he, the cleric uh, gave him a name that represented the uh, represented his patron deity. So right on, nice. So in case you haven't caught on yet, we're going to be talking about fighters, why people should play them, how do they work, and how to make them awesome. It's part two of our series looking at different classes of D and D. 
Uh, and before we get into all of that, I want to let you guys know that it is worth mentioning that if you want to support the show, you can do that by shopping like you already do on Amazon or DMs Guild, but using the affiliate links over at thetomeshow.com, or you can be a direct patron over at patreon.com slash thetomeshow. If you think the show is worth a dollar a month or maybe a little more, it's a great way of showing your appreciation and helping us make the, sh- the most of the show. Plus, you know, you get a little bit of insight into what we're, what we're up to around here because uh, that's always where I go first when I'm looking for uh, guest suggestions or topics or it was a patron who patron who decided we should do fighters next after we did bards last time, which was also a patron suggestion. So there we go. Enough about that. It's time to grab our swords and boards and talk about fighters. Yes. <laughs> so first off, talk about fighters. first off, who wants to tell us, uh, generally speaking, for, for anybody who may not be already already have a, a, a picture in their head of what it means to be a fighter, like what is the archetype? Uh, what is a fighter? Let's let's describe what this thing is. I'll, yeah, I'll sure. You want just any of us to jump in? Whoever wants to talk about it, jump in. Oh, go go for it, Gaza. Okay. Well, the the best thing about a fighter is he he is the 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 muscle of any campaign, uh, whether. You're playing him as a tank, whether you're playing him as a DPS fighter, uh, if you are in a high role-playing campaign or more of a low role-playing campaign. I mean, the the fighter is one of the, just the basic components of, of any adventuring group, but everybody loves a fighter because whether, whether you like role-playing, whether you don't role-playing, sooner or later, combat's going to come in and... You're the guy that everybody ducks behind when it comes in combat. <laughs> so, if yeah, if you are very much a, a kick in the doors type player, um, even if you find yourself in a campaign where there's a lot of role playing and maybe there's not as much action as you like, fighters are great because fighters are always the the center of the battle and they are always the focus of the incoming attacks. So Mm -hmm. that's the the great thing about fighter. You get to kick indoors, roll dice and kill things that uh, uh, you don't like. Uh, You can kill things you uh, don't like the look of, which, uh, which my guy did quite often. Yeah. What what are some, some classic fighter archetypes that people might know from, you know, movies or books or whatever. Wow. Any, um, you know the lead in just about any action film. Uh, look at uh, look at Gimli in Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. Look at uh, John McClane in Die Hard. I mean, it, they're all fighters. Uh, mm. Fighter is your archetype for your action hero. So, uh, you if uh, if you wanna if you wanna be the 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 hero that gets a girl in the end, you wanna or, be the or fighter. boy or boy. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. And- yeah, and and the fight the fighter's so valuable to the party too that um without a fighter like Gaza, you could tell him like last session, um the two fighters that were that come and go from the party initially, uh neither of them could join the game. And so the you know, the party spent the uh, better part of the night kind of ne- like what should we do next? Well, we should, I don't know if we could do that. I don't know if we could go on this quest, this mission or what have you because well, we don't have a fighter. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, you could. It's kind of like you got kind of gotta. You gotta have a, all the party members, but really, it's like you could you could possibly get away with like having a fighter and a cleric on a mission together. You know, because the fighter could fight, the cleric could heal. You know, and the fighter's like more the tank. But uh, 
you know, if you go on a mission, you have no fighter or you have no cleric, you better have a ton of healing potions and uh, a good a good plan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. there's certainly backups for for some of those, right? But but they're not, none of them are yeah. quite as effective as as the the sort of core archetypes. Yep. You can just go with the bard, right? My my current game actually uh, the the primary healer of the party is a bard. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's, that's different. Uh, in my previous campaign, uh, we had two druids that were our primary healers. So you know, nice. I guess my group doesn't like playing with clerics in, these days. So. Yeah, I wish. I actually wish more people would play druids in my games. I can't even remember. I think the last time someone played a druid was me in someone else's game. Mm. <laughs> I don't even remember any of my players ever rolling up druids. Yeah. Well, in we in your campaign, we had a we we had a player. I, awesome guy to play with but when he when he had his cleric he played him as a frontline fighter and <laughs> now he's playing a fighter and he uh he played, played he him like a rogue, rogue. And he, he finally bit the bullet and did did gain a rogue level mm. but yeah uh, he's like nine levels of fighter one level of rogue yeah, <laughs> but, and, uh, i mean it's, oh, inter- it's interesting as you talk about about um Fighters and sort of the archetype, the the the, the stereotype, I guess, if, almost if you will, for for fighters, uh, being the action hero and, and kicking in the door and, and that kind of stuff. Um, because as as we start talking about sort of the mechanics of how fighters work, um, you know, the first thing that shows up is the fighting styles, and and there's actually different styles. Like that's not the only kind of the stereotype fighter is not the only kind of fighter that you can build. Um, as yeah. evidenced by the the fighting styles feature, which allows you to choose archery, defense, dueling, great weapon fighting, protection, and, and two weapon fighting. Right, several of those yeah. sort of fit that archetype. But you know, archery, dueling those are those are a different kind of fighter. Yeah, well, for sure. And, and the book even like talks about how this is supposed to be one of the more flexible classes, which is kind of interesting in terms of thinking about it as the the main action uh, star in a movie. Because action films, what that person does is often so different, but the only, like, the main uh, commonality is that you have one person who does it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like you say, the the flexibility of the fighter class, um, you know, uh, you've got four archetypes just in the base book. Uh, champion, uh, and that's what Kordak was. I played him as a champion. He was, uh, everything was designed around... DPS and killing everything in sight. Uh, <laughs> if you get you get into a campaign, if you have multiple fighters, uh, if one of your fighter fighters takes the battle master archetype, uh, then he's not only is he a fighter, but he's a leader. Uh, you're mm-hmm. looking at your captain, the guard, your field general. He's someone who not only does the damage and takes the baddies down, but he also elevates all the other fighters in the group around him. Um, you look at, then you've got an Eldritch Knight. So if Eldritch Knight is great if you want to be a fighter, but if you also want to dabble a bit in magic and spell casting, it's yeah. a great combination yeah. of, uh, of two classes there. It's, the, it's kind of the fighter with a little bit of wizard, but not having to deal with multi-classing. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, exactly. It's for the person that's yeah. like, well, I really, I kind of wanted to roll up a wizard, but I love playing a fighter. Or maybe the other, you know, there were two mm-hmm. people that wanted to be the same class. And so one person gives in. They're like, oh, okay, fine, you can be the wizard. But I want to, you know, I want to ask a little bit of magic too. Mm-hmm. Well, I <laughs> think they, they also designed the, the different archetypes specifically to appeal to different kinds of players. Like the champion is, is relatively straightforward uh, and relatively <laughs> simple to play. Like the main thing you're going to do on, on every turn is hit something with your weapon. 
Um, whereas the and, and they get better at doing those things, uh, so it's still mm-hmm. fun to do. Whereas the battle master has has the the different maneuvers and superiority dice and all these sort of funky tactical things to do. So they're the the, the ultimate tactician uh, and all that. Where and the Eldritch knight gets more complicated because you know spells. So, so if you wanted, to, if you have somebody new who doesn't want to get into a lot of complex or, or dense rule stuff, uh, you know, the champion is a pretty good way to go into that. Although, if somebody's looking to play sort of the the fighter um, type of character, but didn't want something simple and whatever because they'd be bored at the table halfway through every combat, then there are options for them as well. Absolutely, yeah. That is that that sums it up there. Uh, the the other great thing about fighting styles is, as you say, you can you can make your fighter as as specialized as you like. You take archery, and you know your fighter becomes the Robin Hood type character. Mm. Uh, he's primarily a, a ranged fighter. Uh, if you already have a tank and a couple of of good melee fighters in your group uh archery is a great way to go um if you're going to be a tank again there's defense uh dueling is fantastic for melee you can focus on you can focus on taking on the biggest guy that comes running at you mm. and work on chopping him into bits uh, now, i'm I'm, in, I'm i'm intrigued by the whole archery fighter it's one of those those types of builds that there's always a lot of conversation of like could you do this? And, and it seems like like every edition of D and D makes a version of fighter where you can totally be the archery fighter. And, and mm-hmm. yet, I don't know that I've ever okay. actually seen one in play. Has anybody actually played an archery fighter? Uh, yeah. I have. Yeah, actually, we had, a, and we had a, we had a PC in the party. Remember? Do you, I think it was Talia Green? Was it Talia Strongbow or something like that? Oh, right. That's you correct. Remember, you remember yeah. the, the redhead? Yeah, she was, she was, she was a was badass. Yeah. She was an archery fighter, and she was she was. Um, you could, because she was a fighter focused with the, you know with the archery fighting style. In some ways, she was actually dealing more damage than in those situations than a ranger might deal, mm. just because it's pure shoot, pure hit, pure damage. Whereas a ranger, yeah, and you're, she wasn't you're up combining. Front. Yeah, but you know, yes, ranger, you you're combining vote. spell yeah. casting, and you're as a player, you're having to do a little bit more work to build up your attacks and you're using a bit more strategy if you're a fighter and you take the uh, the archery fighting style uh it's a bit simpler to play so it's excellent if if uh, i always recommend fighters for new players because fighter is one of the easier classes to play for the reason you mentioned earlier, uh, really, you're just attacking every round, and you're just rolling dice. You're not worrying about spell casting or other things. Uh, I've had new players who want to come in and play a rogue, and you know, I have to, I have to play the parent a little bit and say, you know, maybe you should look at instead of a rogue, maybe look at being a fighter that does uh, that takes the archery fighting type because you get to be on the outskirts uh, a little bit, a little more like a rogue or a scout or a ranger. And it's a lot easier to learn as you learn the mechanics of the game. So it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great fighting style for, for new players as well. Yeah. I can just see the, yeah, the, and, the optimizers in my too. group. I can see the optimizers in my group, like chafing though, because you got this, this character with the better defenses and the better hit points and whatever, and you're not up there tanking, protecting us, you know? So, 
Um, I, I definitely, uh, if you've already got that role filled, though, you got some flexibility, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and also, and also, I'm sure just our gaming group, just like a lot of other gaming groups, um, not everyone shows up every session. There's always stuff, especially as you get older, it becomes more difficult to get everyone together. So we kind of have a rotating cast, and it's like we have different um, different players, and sometimes people Skype in and whatnot, and so it's. Um, you know, there there's actually like three different potential fighters that could Skype in at any time, and they're all, they're all completely different ones. Like a Drow that was raised as a as a farmer in Shadowdale who learned how to use a pitchfork, you know, basically as a, as a, a trident weapon, and does uh, and fights with a rapier. <laughs> and then you've got you know um, a dwarf who lived near you know closer to the underworld and, and the underdark and uh, traveled around more kind of just bashes things. And then you've got a um, God, who's the other one? The uh, more of the kind of roguish uh, um, guy working for uh, the thieves guild, who's uh, who, who's the fighter that really wants to be a rogue, you know. So you've got all these different fighter types, and and you know, at, at any given session, you could you, you know, and maybe if you add the, an archery type in there too, at any given session, you may have one pe- person show up or two people, and if they all show up, well, then you just throw an extra some extra challenges at them, you know. And and mm-hmm. usually most DMs GMs know how to know how to had to throw in some challenges i know gaza likes that from time to time right oh yeah yeah <laughs> just throw a few more uh, undead beholders in there, there <laughs> yeah it's, especially it, it tied in very well to playing that uh, that fighter with the three charisma because you know i oh i'm not talking as a player i'm talking as my character sure <laughs> You bastard. <laughs> so, so one of the things that I think really makes the fighter appeal that isn't really like it doesn't sparkle, but it makes the fighter really sing is the fact that that while everybody is getting regular uh, improvements to their ability scores, fighters get to like what is it double that um, in terms of how often they're getting their ability score improvements. Right. So, so most classes are getting it at fourth level. Uh, or every four levels, yeah. where, whereas uh, after fourth level, the fighter is going to get every, uh, not quite every yeah, two levels. Six, yeah, it's like six, eighth, twelve, fourteenth, sixteenth, and nineteenth. Yeah, I so, think. so they get a few extra ability score bumps, which is not insignificant yep. given that the whole game mechanic is built around you know those ability scores being the driving force of everything you do. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know a lot of players who like the fact that getting those extra ability scores, they feel like, you know, they plug that into con and strength as a fighter, and they really feel like uh, their hit points get get to increase kind of at the same rate as some of the opponents that they're facing, mm-hmm. um, which is, I've heard that complaint from players in the past, um, and my, my response to that is, well, you know, if uh, if you want consistent hit points, don't roll for them every level and put put your uh, put your points into con where you can. But I didn't. I think, like, say, getting those those uh, extra abilities, uh, whereas the fighter uh, doesn't need as much of a broad. Uh, what do I want to say? They they don't they don't need a, a full set of high ability scores like a lot of other classes do. Yeah. As a fighter. Yeah. You, they don't you can need, get a, they don't even get away with strength. You can be slightly unbalanced. Yeah. And you can yeah. you can make yourself even more uh, unbalanced and that's what I did with Kordak. Um, pretty much all, all my points went into strength and con mm-hmm. and every, any any monetary gain went into better armor and better weapons and mm-hmm. yeah, you, let, you let just, the two plane warlock do all the talking, right? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 roast me with fireballs. Yeah, um, yeah there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, that kind of necessitated he's, he's the uh, lawful evil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, he would he would have no problem about just frying the whole party, but uh, hey, it took the bad guys down too. So. Well, one of the things that that appealed for the, for fighter players in previous editions was that fighters tended to get access to more feats. So they could sort of customize and and what have you, and and building in the the extra ability score improvements is a way of making that option available, you know. So so in, you know you know if you're if you're playing with that rule that your, your DM is cool with that, like instead of taking all since you'd only maybe want to boost your your con and your strength or maybe your dex um, if you're playing that sort of a fighter, then you can still get a benefit out of out of those ability score bumps by looking at, at the options for feats and adding some more customization that way. Sure. Yep, and I, I think I've I took one one feat when I was playing Kordak and I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it Yeah, I just can't remember off the top mm-hmm. of my head now, but um Oh, it was great rep great weapon master sure. uh, simply so I would get the extra attack if I took something down mm-hmm. um, and which happened quite often with Kordak <laughs> yeah did so much damage yeah well uh, the the DM was nice enough to he got a he got a, a plus one great axe in like the I think the first was it the first night we played or second night we played so, it was one of the first nights yeah. he ended up with that but it also had the part of that also had to do with the, the the uh, the challenge was uh, a little more difficult at first than uh, than originally let on. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sure people struggle with various parts of Tyranny of Dragons. There are a few spots in there where sure. things were kind of unbalanced, but it also makes it fun. It makes it fun for the party because you got to go overcome some pretty tough challenges in certain spots. But but yeah. yeah, yeah, you ended up with the the Night Hill Great Axe. Basically, what we had was uh, was it uh, was a Governor Night Hill of uh, Greenest. Had had this axe who he had been in his family for generations, and since you guys had helped with the uh, pretty much saving the village, he handed that off to you. And, and also, part of, part of what offsets maybe not uh, not uh, the access to fewer feats than you had in three five. Uh, a lot of those the feats for for which you had to take a feat slot have kind of been rolled over into your martial archetypes. Right. For instance, yeah. a champion you get improved critical, um, you get an extra fighting style, you get uh, a superior crit, so you can get a, a an extend uh, further extended crit range. Mm-hmm. Um, so battle master, I think you get combat superiority. Um, you also get um, maneuvers, and a lot of the maneuvers work. Very similar to a lot of three five feats, uh, so yeah, there's there's not the huge list of feats, but you do gain a few of those back through a lot of uh, archetype features as well. Yeah, it, reading through it today reminded me. I think it was a conversation I had with Matt James once about uh, fighters. It was either on this podcast or another one, and we and because often like you guys had already said that fighters are often given to newer players because they're relatively easy mechanically at first. But in three five and stuff, the difficulty came in if you didn't pick certain feats over time, your character was probably not going to keep up with everything else. And so I thought fifth edition did a good job balancing between giving you options while also making sure that you didn't get a suboptimal build as easily. Fall behind, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, true. Yeah. Everything used to like revolve around feats and everything. And um, if a player didn't know what they were doing, or they just started playing around with stuff without doing their research, then all of a sudden they have they they get to a certain level and go, "Oh man, I really wish I took that feat way back at this other level." You know, now I feel mm-hmm. like I'm behind the rest of the party yeah. or whatever. But yeah, fifth edition is like, you're you're right. It's um, it, it makes it a little bit easier to like choose a <laughs> certain class and and just kind of run with it and not feel like, "Oh man, I, I wish I could go back." <laughs> you know, and there were so many feats where you know what was it. Um, Great cleave. You had to have power attack, then cleave, then yep. great cleave, and yeah, you get you get this great ability at the end. But look how many levels it takes you to get there, and how many sort of wasted base feats you have. How I mean, many, how I many feats you taking, didn't take to build up to it, right? Yeah, and take uh, how many times I took power attack, and I rarely used it, mm-hmm. but I only took it as that prerequisite to to get to better feats. And so that's one thing I like about the archetypes is uh, there aren't as many prerequisites to gaining some of the better feats, and uh, I really think they did a good job with that. Mm-hmm. With the archetypes too, I was wondering how you guys felt about, to me it seemed like it was great for different types of players for how engaged they wanted to be throughout the entire combat because like the um, the champion one it's a lot of the extra stuff you get is more through uh increased crit uh mm-hmm. first 19 and then 18 and so really like there's not as much stuff for you to do and then um in terms of, like where i think battle master you had the superior superiority die and uh, I think there were some reactions there, some more reactions. And then Eldritch Knight, obviously, you're able to pick spells and stuff. Yeah, and at higher levels, I, 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 I hadn't ever done like a really deep examination of, of the Eldritch Knight up until uh, preparing for this episode, right? And, and then I'm seeing things like uh, uh, the Arcane Charge just looks super cool because it gives you a teleport and, and it's sort of your teleport and attack, haha. Sort of, sort of uh, fighter action. I'm like, and, and it brings out some of the cool flavors of things from previous editions. Like the, um, the, the there was a lot of like teleporting around and different things in fourth edition, right? Where you could do it, just a short teleport, like five feet, ten feet, thirty feet, whatever, um, just to, to mm-hmm. give you that extra maneuverability. And you get some of that coming back through things like the Eldritch Knight. Yeah, and that gives you a huge advantage against certain opponents that normally you wouldn't be able to get. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely, and that's the thing. I guess a lot of when you take certain arch- archetypes and everything, it's like, you know, it. I guess it's depending on on what, where you see your character going long term, and also how detail oriented you want to be. Maybe someone just wants something just to like grab and go, and they don't want to mess around with stuff. Whereas some players might want to have some more detail, like cho- you know, choosing for dealing with spells and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things I like about is uh, going to back to the uh, was it the battle master? That's the the tactical one, right? Um, the the combination of the the maneuvers and and the the superiority superiority dice that you get to use and that kind of stuff really adds a lot of like interesting flexibility like you can uh, you know the champion is not going to specialize in anything it's just going to be generally pretty good at whatever you know fighting style you chose right whereas the battle master mm-hmm. it, when you look at the different maneuver options like clearly some of those are going to be better 
uh, optimized, I guess, with other combinations of fighting styles and what have you, in a way that's going to get really interesting really fast. Uh, I, I feel like you know, there, there's all kinds of different things there, right? There's there's everything from the duelist sort of uh, with the riposte and the parry and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but you've also got your 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 fainting attack or your distract, distracting strike or your commander's strike, which is straight out of the the fourth edition warlord. Um, which you know gives you some of these leadery sort of abilities um, that you know you're you're helping others be be tactical and all that and that could match really well with like an archer uh, or or some of the others as well so you can really use that one and get really interestingly customized you know the the eldritch knight isn't uh, isn't other than the spell casting doesn't add a lot more of of, of extra complexity other you know except that you know of course spell casting itself is a is a layer of complexity. Yeah, no one's in my campaigns. No one's uh, ever run one of those. Uh, have you guys had experience with the Eldritch Knight? I have not held Eldritch Knight at my table. No, although no. I, again, I, you, looking Gavin? at it now, I'm I'm all kinds of curious. Yeah, everything <laughs> I've done, it's been um, it's been champions or battle masters. Um, the the I'm trying to. I've got one person who's interested in maybe going the Eldritch Knight route, but. We've also got someone who's looking at doing a doing a rogue as an arcane trickster. So now that person yeah, that's, that's person even a better combination. Say, well, well, maybe I won't do the Eldritch Knight, and maybe I'll go back to Battlemaster. But, uh, I, I, uh, I want to see a party where where it's you know the the core members are an arcane trickster, an Eldritch Knight, and, and a bard. You know, everybody has just a little bit of magic. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm sorry. Was it Tracy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And have you had experience with the Eldritch Knight at all? No. No, so maybe that's something i don't know if you, you guys have like a comment section um in mm-hmm. your blog or something when you guys post online but that'd be nice to actually hear back um feedback from players and and dungeon masters who have more experience with that since none of us is that have actually um have p- neither played or had one of those in our campaigns yeah, absolutely on either either on the the facebook group if you're if you're checking if you're a member of that or you're following that uh or over on the the tomeshow.com we're going to hear your comments on uh, on whether or not you have experience with Eldritch Knights and how it's gone and, and what have you. But, um, like, there's a lot of appeal there that I see. I do remember, interestingly, um, I don't remember if it was an interview that I did or one that I that I listened to or read somewhere, but uh, Mike Merles talked about once um, his one of his biggest regrets with 5th edition and, and the way it was made and designed and whatever um, was actually something in the fighters, Right, it was the names of the archetypes. Because, yeah. as he explained, like, well, Eldritch Knight is fine because you look at the name Eldritch Knight and, and it gives you a sense of what that is. Champion and mm-hmm. Battlemaster give you no like actual indicator as to what this archetype is. Like, the archetypes are supposed to be th- something that are like recognizable in 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 yeah. lore and in literature like a and whatever. Where, yeah, right. So like, a swashbuckler right. would be a, an archetype that evokes a certain image, whereas Battlemaster and Champion mm-hmm. don't really do that, right? Um, mm-hmm. And he said that was one of his regrets, is that if he had a chance to go back and change something, that's what he would change, right? He would change the, the, the Battlemaster and the Champion, just the name, to something else. Yeah, it's kind of like you think of like Berserker, or you think of like um, Gladiator, you know, like the, mm-hmm. those are certain fighters that, especially like in second edition, I picture Dark Sun and things like that. You, they, you know, you picture these different kinds of, of uh, yeah, of, of na- different types of fighters, you know, and um, you know, Swashbuckler, which could it could be a rogue or a fighter or both. Um, but yeah, it's you're right; those names don't 
initially like champion okay champion of what yeah Yeah, well you think battle master really what uh, a battle master is more of uh you think a field commander or a knight captain and okay this is a this is a leader this is someone who who is skilled in various techniques and can also assist and provide inspiration for the other fighters around him. And the champion is really the champion. I, I, I would say Jonathan, that probably is more of a, of a gladiator because it is kind of mm-hmm. a entirely, entire, entirely dedicated to, to melee combat. Well, it's, it's um, entirely dedicated anyway to, to building your physical strength, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Know, I, I think you could gladiator. build a, an archer champion that that's, that's, I think a, a a build that would work um, as well as anything. Right. Right. But, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that like, yeah, I might start having that connotation for battle master. Now. I don't know that I would have that connotation for battle master. Were I not playing this game and seeing battle masters, right? If you just came up to me, I've never seen this game and said, what's a battle master. Uh, I don't know somebody who goes into a, in, into the middle of a, of a of a battle, you know, out on the field of combat, and, and is really good and just you know cutting down foes left and right. Uh, but you could play that archetype as a champion just as well. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really evoke that that image mm-hmm. um, that, that you know you know this is a battle master, right? So I don't, yeah, I don't know I don't know what I would rename it. Maybe the battle master just becomes tactician or something. Um, yeah, I like that. That that works. It's it's interesting too. If Mike Morales, if one of his biggest regrets was just the names he gave, <laughs> the fighter <laughs> archetypes, I'd say that they they did a pretty good job. Yeah, you know? no, he's yeah. Pretty, I, I think he's pretty regrets, happy with the game. Just so, a name yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, if, if, yeah. If that's your if if that is your biggest regret, that's uh, yeah. You've done you've done an excellent job. Um, For sure. <laughs> the one comment I wanted to make um, that um, when we were back. Uh, just talking about the champion, one of the things I liked about the champion archetype is I always, whenever I'm I'm playing D and I'm I view it from I'm I'm playing in an in an epic adventure standpoint. You know, my my campaigns tend to be very cinematic, and the champion archetype plays into that. I mean, how how many single hit deaths? And you know, uh, crits for death did Kordak have? I mean, he he oh, was a guy man, that all the time. He, he jumped in, he'd swing the axe, chop a guy in two, and then maybe take somebody else down in yeah in a couple. And of I had whacks. to come up with descriptions. <laughs> I had to come up with descriptions all the time because he's constantly slaying foes, and they can't all be like decapitating his head or right. same. So there'd be all kinds of crazy descriptions, you know, disemboweling a guy and then chopping off another guy's leg and blood spurting all over. And meanwhile, I'm like playing this out acting out the scene from, you yeah. know, and playing each his characters and throwing myself about the room and falling on the ground and all this stuff and injuring myself. I'm getting too old for this. You know? you're, wor- you're working too hard, Jonathan. Here, here's the trick. You got the right group of players. You make them describe it. Hey, you killed the guy. How yeah, did, how'd you do it? You know? Yeah, I'll make Gaza get up and, and leap her about the room. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, uh, all the joists in his floor now creak on a regular basis. So that probably wasn't the smartest thing he did. But we, the, um, well, you didn't have a good the, knee at the time either, so that would have been no, bad news. <laughs> no, that, uh, that slowed things down a bit. The The other thing that Jonathan utilizes in his campaign is the inspiration points. Um, and 
God, I can't remember. Is that a Fantasy Ground thing or is that a D and D thing? That's D and D. No, of, that's a D and that, that's the, a D the blinds thing, blur for me so much. But, but yeah, you know, yeah, it, but it's really handy in Fantasy Grounds because a, a DM can assign it to a player, and the player knows they have it. They can see a little star next to their character mm-hmm. in Fantasy Grounds, but the other PCs can't see that. You know, ah, and, like I could see that all of the players have mm-hmm. like an, an inspiration point. But but they don't know that each other have them, so it you know, and I kind of have them keep it to themselves, so they they can't go like, okay, let's gang up and all use our inspiration points during this battle or whatever, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, I, but, I, get, I give out coins at the table, right? I throw out, I got little uh, uh, campaign coins uh, coins with little uh, d twenties on them, right? And so I throw those out to, to oh, indicate. cool. Yeah, and it's cool, and, and and so they've got a physical thing in their hands. That said, they almost never remember to use it, or they're holding on to it for that moment they really need it, and then they end up holding it on to it till the whole session's over, and they never used it, you know. And so that's the problem. I know. I have. Yep, yep. Same thing. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen like, that. You, you guys have inspiration points, you know. You and you can you can earn one every week. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can almost <laughs> so use you almost them. always have one available. <laughs> <laughs> but there, you know, yep. it's like no, I want to save it for that role when I really need it. And yeah, but that's a whole um, that's a whole other podcast. We could do a whole episode just on <laughs> yeah. how to how to do yes. inspiration, and maybe we should because I think that's something that people need. Yeah, you about. probably should a whole a whole inspiration pod, podcast. You could like have a rotating cast of dungeon masters and players coming in and talking about it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. But does the same sort of thing happen with the superiority dice? Um. Mm. Well, ours was kind of a. Um, the fighter we had that was doing that was, uh, I think he, and don't think he, he fully realized the potential. <laughs> um, but I this think was he was trying to be a rogue. Guy, he forgot yeah, he was a fighter. Was, his thought yeah. with a fighter was, if I'm a badass fighter, then I can steal stuff from the party and nobody can really do anything about it. I'll <laughs> kill so, so he's a bully thief. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so we should tell people what the superior dice is and how that works in case they they're not familiar. So the idea is that the the battle master uh, fighter gets uh, at first four superiority dice, which are d8s, uh, and you can expend them to to accomplish different tasks or whatever uh, to help you with different tasks. But you um, you get them back after you complete a rest. So there's not much incentive to hoard them because you literally get them back like every combat, right? Uh, and so, what are some of the things you can use superior superiority dice on? Did I stump you? There are a bunch of maneuvers. So yeah. Yeah. I, yeah so, so give you, Oh, sorry. Go uh, ahead, Tracy. Oh no, you go ahead. Uh, well, I was just saying, just pulling one out, and this is one that I do remember him amusing a few times, which is the rally. Uh, maneuver and the with the rally maneuver you you use one superiority die and that bolsters the resolve of a companion so essentially a friendly creature gains temporary hit points which is the the one d8 from your superiority die plus your charisma modifier Mm -hmm. Uh, so you know just the guy you're fighting next to you inspire him and he gets a little surge of energy Mm -hmm. um uh, just little things like that. Yeah, and they can um, be they can be they can be sort of uh, fidgety and complex, like rally or commander strike, where you use a support superiority die to let somebody else attack an opponent um, as as a, as a uh, reaction, and they get to add that superior superiority die to their damage if they hit. Uh, but you could also go real simple, like uh, what is it, evasive footwork, which is uh, you use a superiority die, you roll it, and you add that to your AC. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, sometimes you need that little extra boost. Right. Fainting attack as well. Um, mm-hmm. You you attack a creature within five feet, um, and your next attack roll, you have advantage on your next attack roll mm-hmm. against him. I mean, that that's essentially, uh, if, if you did nothing but use use your superiority dice for fainting attacks, you're pretty much giving yourself advantage on four attacks during uh, during an encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> who wouldn't want to use that? I mean, that's just fantastic. So, yeah, yeah cool. I just remembered. Uh, I played the gunslinger once from Pathfinder, and I would often forget to use some of my grit. So. Oh yeah. Well, and and, think, and that I happens a lot too, a, right? That's the thing. It's yeah. It's when you're running almost any kind of character that has stuff that they like acquire. Like we were even talking about inspiration points. You know, it's like. Um, you forget you have them. That's why I kind of like the idea of having something at the table, like maybe to represent it, like different mm-hmm. coins or different colored dice or something. So you're like, oh yeah, I, I I still have these. I have these superiority dice, and I have them. I keep them on my character sheet, like sitting out in front of me. So when we go into combat, I remember I have those. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I played with some guys at Gen Con last year. That um, you know, one of the guys would have like little cards with the actual rules written on it. Uh, he was playing a bard, right? So whenever he gave somebody bardic mm-hmm. inspiration, he would hand them the card. And then it's not just a, re- a physical reminder that, oh, you have this bardic inspiration on you. But it's also like there's the mechanics of it right there. And so you know how to use it, not just that you can use it. So that worked pretty well. Oh, very cool. And so you could do oh, something yeah. similar those, with those a lot of these sorts of things. Were those the official cards? Were those no, like he made D&D, his own. Were they D&D 5th edition cards that came out? or He made his own. Oh, really? Wow. I wonder if anyone else has done that or if, I mean, um, like, obviously you'd only be able to use it with something like the, the SRD, what's in the OGL, but, I mean, um, I wonder if there's anything out there, if anyone's done a Kickstarter or a little project where you can you could buy the cards and uh, have those at your table, because, yeah, yeah, that is pretty that, handy to have yeah. that physical reminder of it. So, I mean, I've never really used spell cards a lot, but for spell cards that where it's someone that's, you know, especially for, like, a bard um, and someone that's kind of, like, uh, you know, boosting up the party. He's giving it's out nice buffs, to have yeah. that that room yeah yeah giving out, like handing out the physical buffs to the to whoever's getting it you know yeah. saying okay well you, you know and then you can set a die you say i have six rounds of this or whatever and you can set the die on top of the card or whatever mm-hmm. you know that's a good idea all right so so back to fighters uh anything else mechanically that you think is worth mentioning that makes fighters unique i mean we, we didn't mention they get extra attacks um it's one of the the sort of classic things that fighters do right um, is that yeah. they get to attack more times than everybody else by what is it fifth level they can attack twice yep. uh, and they don't get their third attack until like what is it fifteenth level? It's, a, uh, it's either fifteenth or eleventh. Let me yeah, take I'm, a here. I'm looking at it here, so it looks like three yeah. at eleven and three tw- at eleven and tw- four yeah. at twenty. Yep. Uh, which isn't but, uh, a ton of attacks. I, I mean, I, I certainly remember like old second edition games where everybody was making tons of attacks, and it was complicated because each one had a decreasing uh, bonus. You know, so mm-hmm. make your first attack at plus fifteen, but then the next one is plus ten, and the next one is plus five, and whatever. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, not. Yeah, it's not. It's it's a lot more straightforward than that. It doesn't decrease. It's just another attack, right? So you you get to just att- hit things more, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. That was that's one the, thing that makes Fighter a lot more enjoyable in fifth edition is when when you get to fifth level and you get that extra attack, it is has just as much chance of hitting 
as the first attack. And I know that was a yeah, it, that was frustrating in in, uh, in earlier editions. So uh, and another yeah. another huge advantage too, if I can jump in, guys, and interject there yep. is that um is that by being able to attack in fifth edition, movement is so it's so much better. You know, to be able to like I want to move a little bit and then attack and then move a little bit. You know, it's like. You, you don't have to burn up all your movement all at once. Right. So by having two attacks or eventually three attacks, it's really cool to be able to like actually attack and then move around the battlefield. If you mm -hmm. take a guy down the next guy is a ways off, you can still, if you still have movement left, you can still move over there and attack him too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, just, just, just as Jonathan said, I mean, at fifth, at fifth level, if you use your action surge, uh, your action surge gives you a, an extra action. So that is two more attacks. So at fifth level, you can potentially move to and attack four different opponents in a round. And, you know, as a fighter, that's just fantastic. Like I said, it, it's all <laughs> kinds of cinematic fun, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You are literally Aragorn running through, and each time you hit an orc, he goes down. Um, so, yeah, it makes it just just all kinds of fun. I, I Kordak was probably one of the most enjoyable characters that I've played. Um very good. Okay, so so we've kind of gone through the the classic feature, key mechanical features that make fighters fighters and how they work and what have you. And honestly, we mm -hmm. pretty much talked about everything. Like fighters are relatively straightforward. I think we hit almost everything that that there is to 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 talk about. Um, that's well. There's one. There's one more. There's one more thing. If we could touch on real quick, is yeah. um, is their equipment. And you know, um, obviously, they usually have a higher strength, so they can carry they can carry more gear with them. They uh, they typically wear the you know the heaviest armors. They get to use some of the biggest weapons, most damaging weapons, um, and that's a huge plus too for um, when you decide what kind of uh, fighter you want to play. Uh, it you know choosing your weapons is is pretty fun. You know it's pretty fun to be able to choose like what do I, what do I want to focus on here? What you know what kind of a fighter do I want to play with? I mean I know we talked about range versus like melee, but um, you know, it could vary greatly if you're using like a rapier in combat, or like you know a short, mm -hmm. a couple of short swords or something, versus using like a giant great axe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean a a, a defense or a dueling um, um, fighter is very different from a, a two weapon fighter or a great weapon fighter, right? Um, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, just jumping on what uh, what Jonathan said, uh, the fact that in fifth edition. Uh, they they've removed the exotic weapons, so you have simple. You're either proficient with simple weapons, or martial weapons, or or both. Mm -hmm. And so you know you don't have to be a dwarf if you want to use uh, like a warhammer or a war pick. You can you can be another you can be another race of fighter and use those weapons. And mm -hmm. that's a that's a great way to segue people who don't enjoy the role-playing side as much. It's like, okay, you have a war pick, you're a human, how'd you start using a war pick? I mean, that's that's primarily something dwarves use. Tell me about how your character came to use that as his primary weapon, and so you're able to kind of extract a little more role-playing from characters mm -hmm. as well. So I think opening opening that class up to to a greater selection of weapons at, at your levels has, has helped that aspect of the game as well. So having gone, yeah. th oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just agreeing with Gaza. Okay, yeah. So I, I think having gone through most of the the mechanical features of the class, um, this is usually the point where we talk about sort of 
how do you actually make one of these? Like it's a little bit of it's a little bit of like what are what tips and tricks do we have for uh, if not optimizing, doing interesting things with with fighters? What what combinations are there? Um, what do you guys think? Are there anything? Uh, are there any fighter combinations that you think are particularly uh, optimized or interesting or fun? Well, Gaza touched. I mean, Gaza touched on some of the basics earlier, and that's that obviously. Um, if you want to have a decent fighter, you definitely want a high strength. You want to be able to cause a lot of damage, and then um, and then apply a lot to uh, constitution so that you can boost your overall hit points um, in the long run, um, and also be able to to kind of serve as the tank and take a lot of the damage for the party, so the other members aren't taking that damage. Um, that said, if you're using some lighter armors and you want to be able to put some additional points into something else, you could plug some into dexterity. Um, while also having the option to instead to plug it into charisma if you want to be more of a charismatic leader of the party. Mm-hmm. So that, that's as far as the basics go. And then, uh, um, and then I'll jump to Gaza now. He, you know, he, he's he's more of the uh, aficionado when it comes to fighters. <laughs> well, uh, uh, like Jonathan said, a lot of it is look looking at the uh, the type of fighter you uh, you want to play, uh, specifically the archetype, and then how you want to how you want to build your scores accordingly. If you're using a, uh, I'm too, probably far too generous of a, of a DM. I, I let, I let everyone roll 46, re-roll the ones, take the three highest numbers, but I like people to create characters that are going to stick around for a while. So I like to make them a little stronger and my, my campaigns tend to be cinematic, but also, you can do a lot with um, with your fighter through backgrounds. Um, I really like what they've done with backgrounds in Fifth Edition, in that your your character's background determines a lot more about their skill set and starting money, and really promotes the role playing side of it more. So, while some of the obvious selections for fighters as well. My background's going to be a soldier, or maybe um, some. I've seen people go with criminals, uh, but you know, any any fighter that's a knight, you know, maybe you want to be. Maybe your background is a noble, because um, mm-hmm. from a historical standpoint, you know, a suit of armor was equivalent to buying a car or a house in modern times. So, uh, to start out as a as a knight or a noble, you had to be able, you know, just how did you get enough money to buy the, to mm-hmm. buy these things? So, uh, use your backgrounds to really help shape the type of fighter that you want to be. Uh, obviously, a, a battle master soldier is an excellent background to choose there. Here, here's how you got all that, all that battle experience. Um, uh, you could be a champion who grew up in the church as an acolyte. Uh, uh, again, just just use use those backgrounds to your advantage and help them to build build the kind of fighter you want to yeah. be. And, and in terms of like uh, you mentioned the the stats that are sort of primary for for fighters, and it kind of depends on the fighter that you're building, right? But um, strength, con, maybe dex, depending on the type of fighter or whether or not you just want to boost your AC or whatever. So so when it comes time to choosing races, you're going to be looking for a race that that has a bonus to strength, definitely. Uh, and then con or dex, maybe depending on what kind of, of fighter you want to build, right? Um, Correct. So, but, but although, and this gets out of optimizing a little bit. One of the things that I, I like um, in terms of the story of the fighter is that it's kind of the general enough class that I feel like there is no race in the game that doesn't have a contingent of fighters in, in their community, right? Everybody's got fighters, 
Um, you know, not every right. not every community has wizards in it. Not every community necessarily has a lot of sorcerers, but but every community has a contingent of fighters. You know, even if it's the the town guard or whatever. Um, and so, you know, yeah. As always, a, I encourage it could be people a, bull, a bully in the local pub. Yeah, <laughs> as always, I, I, I encourage people. I always encourage people to to think outside of the necessarily what's optimized and, and try to come up with some combinations that. Um, that you may not expect, and the fighter's particularly versatile in terms of its ability to, to do that and handle that. Yes, definitely, and it, and it makes for a lot of fun role-playing opportunities when you, you choose a, a, you know, a race that's not typical of taking that, like a, you know, a dwarf wizard or a, a halfling fighter. I mean, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, just, it's, it's fun. It's fun to grab a certain, a certain uh, race and, and, uh, and run with it, and obviously, like, maybe the elves, you tend to have more of the uh, archer types, you know, because they're mm-hmm that's just uh, typical for that race, you know, and, and do, you know, given the terrain that they tend to live in in forests and what have you. Well, and the, t- um, and the, and the, t- and the uh, potential dexterity bonus is going to be helpful for an archer. So yeah, that's, yep, not, yep. that's not nothing, you know? <laughs> so yeah, totally. Yeah. And again, just to, just to touch on the, the battle master, a lot, um, a lot of a battle master's maneuvers, uh, several of those are, have a charisma base to them as well so that's mm-hmm. worth you know if if you're looking at being the battle master um plug some points into uh into charisma yeah um, don't don't and, make charisma your dump stat correct mm-hmm. you know save that for the half work fighter believe me yeah <laughs> been... yeah yeah read it read ahead and make sure you're applying the right abilities for what you want to become later on and that may change as the game goes but at least have a have an idea of what you're, right. what you're working towards Uh, and, and in the same way, like uh, for the Eldritch Knight, you're going to want to make sure you don't um, dump stat your intelligence, right? Because their their spell casting sure. is based on intelligence. So um, they both have that 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 quirk to them, where your the fighter suddenly has to consider stats outside of the the stereotype of what fighters usually go for. Good. Absolutely. Any any other tips for making fighters before we talk about the the joys of role playing fighters? I'm trying to think if there's anything that I we can't haven't think touched off the top on. Of my head. <laughs> I mean, fighters are. I mean, we've covered all the different mechanics, and and beyond those, the the fighters are pretty straightforward. That's actually part of their appeal. Yeah, yeah. So, the one, the one last thing I want to say about about rope, about playing fighters too is that um, I know we talked about the new the new player, um, and I would like to say that it's fighter is definitely a good one for kids too, for kids that are learning about Dungeons and Dragons, learning about role playing games. They don't have a lot of experience with it. Um, it really is uh, an easy way to get them into it, especially if they go with something really simple where they're basically moving around on the battlefield and attacking stuff. It gives them an idea of basically here's how you, you know here's how combat works, um, mm-hmm. here's here's how the dice work, you know, and how the different mechanics work, and get them started. And then as they after they have played a fighter for quite a few levels, then they can start looking into some of the other classes. So it is really great when you're getting started with your kids or or a group of kids teaching a group of kids to play D anD. d yeah, although yeah, that's, that's that's tricky too, and and I I play with uh, an after school gaming club at my I teach I teach in middle school, so I'm playing with uh, with uh, you know young teenagers you know eleven to thirteen um, on a, on a yeah. fairly regular basis, and on one that's hand great. like th- that's advice that that is good for them, and also advice that they never want to follow. They like the the crunch and the detail and whatever, and it really like I wish. I could convince him to go with, with some of the more classic uh, classes uh, because it would make, simplify our life a lot more to not have to look up the weird thing that the warlock did. 
um, or, or that, <laughs> that, 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 you know, the elemental monk is doing strange things today or whatever, right? And that, yeah. And that there's so many people at the table and all of them are having to figure these things out and whatever. So it's a lot to wrinkle. Uh, but they... I, I'll tell you what. If I tell kids, you know, pick something simple, they're they're going to really fight back on that. So they they like getting into well, the that's, physics. Well, that's because that's because you got the 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 tween teenage years. You yeah. Know? If you go back to like um, let's say elementary, maybe you know, I'm talking maybe like I'm going to be introducing my daughter soon, and she's uh, she's five, about five and a half. So yeah. I'll be introducing her soon. So let's say ages like six to. Six to ten, six to eleven, and then beyond that, we all know that they want to do what they want to do. <laughs> sure. Well, my my uh, my oldest son, uh, we started. I introduced him to the game when he was probably six ish or so, and he was he's always wanted to be wizards or he's some sort of spellcaster, wizard, druid. Really? Whatever. Well, yeah. that's cool. He's a big spellcaster guy. That's awesome. It's a little bit more complexity when it comes to casting spells and figuring yeah. out, you know, yeah, but look at all the, uh, duration and all that kind of stuff. Fighters don't get to throw balls of explosion, you know. <laughs> so, True. Uh, visually, yeah. like the the spell casting classes are exciting. You yeah, know, one, yeah, for one sure. Other, just one other thing to mention. I know we're talking, you know, we're talking about fighters tonight, but um, one other uh, point that that's come up several times when we're playing Fifth Edition is. In 5th edition, um, regardless of your class, it is it is possible uh, for just about any class to actually be an effective uh, effective combat fighter, whether it's uh, ranged or melee. Um, obviously, not uh, not the primary fighter, but just about any class can be an effective. Uh, secondary or support fighter. That's just uh, the mechanics of the game. So, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, if you have five fighters in the group already and you want to play, but you're really being, you know, hey, we really need a cleric in this group. Um, cleric can still be fairly effective as a, at functioning as a, as a fighter. Yeah, so cleric's got a bit of fighter in them. Keep uh... in mind. A ranger's got a bit of fighter in him. Even a rogue, to a degree, mm-hmm. can can pull off like the duelist sort of fighter. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, other classes can definitely pull off fighters. Uh, yeah, I've got a applies. I've got a warlock warlock that's pretty effective as a frontline uh, fighter. Sure. I mean, with uh, with the what is it, the pact of the sword? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and I always people people who say, well, you know, sorcerers, wizards shouldn't be frontline fighters. They say, look at Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. He was oh, yeah. dishing it out yeah. right on the front line. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> you look at the, that's the that's the character on who a lot of the spell casting classes were based. Well, hey, he was up there dishing it out. So yeah, when when the time comes and he needs to unsheath his sword, he does. <laughs> yep. So Tracy, you've been quiet for a while. Any any thoughts on on making awesome fighters or playing awesome fighters? Um. <laughs> She's she's rolling up a battle master yeah, while, while we're talking. Right so. now. <laughs> I've got ideas right now for a, an archer based uh, battle master in my head that that I'm kind of excited about. So, well, I'm still trying to make sure. Uh, my brother's big thing forever has been if he can't play a deck space fighter, he doesn't want to talk to me. So <laughs> <laughs> to talk to you, you create the game. <laughs> well, I know, but it, I'm trying to get him to play. So oh, I see. again. Uh, yeah, so you could, uh, you I could do a deck space fighter, absolutely. Yeah, a champion would. Yeah, champion would actually be an effective deck space fighter. Um, 
you look at uh, look at things like the improved critical uh, superior crit, um, mm-hmm. and take take dueling uh, as your fighting style. And, and yeah, and, there's and carry a, a carry a finesse weapon, uh, so you can use that dex on it. Yeah, or archer so again. would be dex based. Yeah, you could do dex based with a few things. See, cool. look how flexible fighters are. They are, <laughs> uh, and, and yeah. yeah. So, oh yeah, go ahead. I was even just thinking too, like um, also. Originally, when I was looking through the fighting styles, I was like, man, some of these are kind of like mutually exclusive because it requires you have both hand, like both hands on. Some of them will be uh, that like great weapon fighting. I think you're using a two-handed weapon, mm. whereas other ones are you're holding a shield. So it's like having both of them at the same time seems counterproductive. And then I was like, well, it depends on uh, your style of game too, because some DMs really care about mixing up. Uh, types of challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So, 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 you, so you might want to do the the great axe, you know, this combat, but flip over to the board and sword next one. Right. Right. And when you're tiny finesse fighters, the the or dex based fighters, the a lot of things that spring to mind is like the swashbuckler or the or the duelist, and you can have. One thing about 5th edition is shields are shields. There's only one type of shield. So your shield can simply be that small buckler strapped onto an arm, and you've got a rapier in the other hand. And, you know, that's your that's your stereotypical finesse fighter with, mm-hmm. uh, with a small True. but uh, very, very effective and very maneuverable shield. Mm-hmm. And, again, a finesse weapon in the other hand. Right on. So any uh, we we've we've used up a lot of time, but is there any thoughts on on ways to role play fighters, not just mechanically, but but you know how to how to build that that fighter character and make them awesome and interesting at the table? What do you what how, what do I do when I'm at the table and, and I'm and we're not in combat maybe or or maybe we are uh, to role play and make my fighter cool? Thoughts. There's a when it comes to role playing, there's lot there's lots and lots of ideas. I mean, that for me, I could probably keep going all day with any kind of role-playing situation just because that's what draws me to the games role-playing sure. and acting but um but yeah there's i mean from having like maybe like a swashbuckler type you know that's like kind of like wheeling and dealing and uh and you know likes likes his time with the, the ladies or the guys depending on the what what kind of character you're playing and um you know likes to be more of a freewheeler and i mean obviously choosing alignment is a big part of that you know what kind of alignment do you have what um how, what are your social interactions like with the group? What are your social interactions like in town? And then another big part is what kind of, uh, you know, are, are you affiliated with any groups? Are you part of a fighter's guild? Are you, you know, doing work for someone locally? Or did, did you once work at a castle? Do you, are, you know, were you a squire for someone? Like, uh, there's, there's a lot of opportunities. In, and mm. just with any type of character, it's always good. I think even if you're choosing a background, like those are kind of almost like, in the back in the day, you know, we'd write our own backgrounds, and you'd work with the the dungeon master to craft something. But now they're all kind of like pre-made, ready to go, which is great, especially when you have to, you know, make something quickly and you just want to get playing. Uh, but at the same time, you could always choose a background, then go to your dungeon master and say, okay, how can we work this into the story? You know, mm-hmm. how can I how can I work this in to to really get into my character? And um, and that's a big part of it. And figuring out where your character's from, do they have an accent or not? What you know, what color of their skin, their hair, their eyes, like. Um, what what kind of background? What kind of culture do they come from? You know, just delving deep into that 
and um, and then bringing out that role in your character, whether it's through an accent, how your character acts and interacts with the rest of the party, or what have you. Yeah, and I would say like depending on the choices you make, the fighter, while while not the most complex class. Um, has a lot of options available to it, uh, and and I would say make sure that those options matter in terms of how you play the character. Right? If you're going to be an eldritch knight, how did you learn magic? Why is that a thing that you're into when you're you know a, a, a guy who runs around with a sword? If you're going to choose certain mm-hmm. types of maneuvers, find a theme that matches like who your character is, and don't just pick the maneuvers that you think sound. Um, the most awesome on the battlefield, but but try to try to put together like what does this look like when I do a uh, when I do a goading attack or or uh, a sweeping attack, or whatever. Like what does that look like? Am I uh, am I a certain kind of fighter? Am I whipping a, a spike chain around? And that's why I take things like sweeping attack or or that kind of stuff, right? Uh, or even if you're playing the champion, because you're going to be critting more often, uh, you've got the the nineteen twenty and then eventually the eighteen to twenty for crits. Um, you know. Come up with a cool catchphrase to yell every time you roll a crit, or you know, do do something. Take the mechanics that are there because if you have all these options, and make those meaningful for the role playing decisions you make. Yeah, yeah, and you know, if you're and if you're player and you're stumped, uh, which which happens, I, I've hit pl- I've hit points where I know the class and the race of the character that I want to play because it's it's something that I've been interested in. But you just get you just get a mind block when you come to the the backstory or the role playing, and you know look to look to other sources for inspiration. Um, sorry, my birds are <laughs> birds are getting a little excited, but there's they're you know, try, they're trying to inspire you. Indeed, look look at uh, all the all the all the fighters, all the action heroes you've seen. Look at anime. Um, anime is a great way to get ideas for exotic or different weapon types or different ways of using weapons. I mean, like you said, swinging a, swinging a chain around. Um, a lot of people think, well, how effective is that of a weapon? But think of um, Kill Bill, the uh, the Japanese hench girl that uh, had the saw blade on the uh, the saw mm-hmm. blade on the end of a chain. Think of uh, you know Jackie Chan and Shanghai Knights. He he tied a horseshoe onto a piece of rope. Uh, right. Who would ever think of that as a weapon? Just use use uh, use stories. Use use movies. Use uh, use TV shows. You know, think of a character that you really liked and look at that as an, hey, I have an opportunity to play this guy. Maybe put my only my my own spin on him. And don't be afraid to, to use that. I'm I'm in a campaign now. Uh, it's not fifth edition, but he's playing a Darfallen, which is a race that's they're pretty they're pretty much been hunted nearly to extinction by the Sahagan. And I just couldn't figure out how to play him. I was watching Legends of Tomorrow. And I thought I'm gonna play him like Mick Rory. And I have more fun with that character than anybody else. And I can usually put the table in stitches with just some of the deadpan comments mm-hmm. I come up with. So, again, don't be afraid to use other media as inspiration. Well, and, and, you know, and let if, that be your guide. If, if every action hero uh, could be a fighter, then then look at the millions of different types of action heroes. And, and that could be your yep. fighter, right? So draw that inspiration. Mm-hmm. All right. Any last Indeed. thoughts before we it's wrap great, things great. up? Yeah. I don't think so. My battery's just about dead on my phone, so we better get wrapping right. it up. <laughs> so there you go. That's a good sign. So we're going to go ahead and call that the end of the episode. All righty. 
I want to say just thanks for having me on. I mean, I've just in the discussion we've had here, I'm like, okay, I need to find three more campaigns because I have characters. <laughs> All these fighter ideas. I want to build together. Yep. So, yeah. Great, that's uh, awesome. I learned a lot as well. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Gather, for being on with us, too. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. This was my first time. So, um, you know, as long as, uh, as long as I'm not stalked after this, uh, everything's <laughs> <There> good. <you. laughs> awesome. And we'd like to thank you for being on the show as well. Uh, so, first, uh, Jonathan Nelson, where can people find you online? Well, they can they can hit me up on Facebook um, if they just search for Jonathan G. Nelson. I'm on there, and uh, they can also go to adventureaweek.com, also on Facebook or the website, and uh, my company is AAW Games. And right now we have a Kickstarter going on for Underworld Races and Classes, which is an epic tome detailing many new races and classes that are kind of going to be weirder more insidious companions to your core books for both fifth edition and the pathfinder role-playing game and uh check it out uh we've only got a few days left so uh, what's, what are the and, what are the dates uh, on the kickstarter back us uh we're ending on april uh 28th april 28th so depending uh, on when that's friday april 28th and it's gonna be um it's uh let's see 7 p.m pacific time is when the kickstarter will be over okay so, so back us before then <laughs> Also, like to say thank you to Gazza Bishop. Where can people find you online? Uh, probably the best place to find me now is just on Facebook, uh, Gazza Bishop, uh, G A Z Z A. Um, yeah, just hit me up on on Facebook uh, if you have uh, any feedback or any questions for me. I'm happy to help. I, the more people we can get gaming, the better off the world will be. That's right. So. Sweet. And we'd like to thank all of you for supporting the show by shopping from our affiliate links using Amazon or DMs Guild or being a patron of the show at patreon.com slash thetomeshow. And if you want to get a hold of us, you can email me at thetomeshow at gmail.com or call the biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. You can find Tracy on Twitter. She is at Sarah Darkmagic. I am at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H. And I also control the reins for the at the Tome Show Twitter account as well. And that's episode 280, where we became expert warriors as we talked about fighters in this episode of... I'm on the wall.